Hello, and welcome to a show of their own sports and life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura, and we took a little bit of a break. That was my fault. Had a bit of a rough week, but all good now. Um, Sometimes you need those weeks. Sometimes you just need a rest, and so um, we're back. And it's kind of a good time to take a break anyways, because both of our sports are in off season. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we're going to start with the NHL. Um, There was a lot of different things that happened. Um, The first thing I wanted to mention was uh, kind of the newsy bit from this week is that they formed a players committee for like a representative for the new return to play. So there was a return to play for last year's playoffs, but now there's a return to play for the 2021 season. They are targeting January 1st. I think that's a bit ambitious and so do a lot of writers. Most writers think sometime in February, but they're just trying to get it going as soon as possible because they want to get the maximum number of games they're still looking at an all Canadian division but we don't know much beyond that um but then the thing I really wanted your opinion Morgan was the second thing I wanted to talk about these reverse retro reveals first of all that you can tell it's a slow news in the NHL because they are revealing five of them every day it is so painfully slow and they all have similar feels to them and so I can finally define reverse retro. It is a <laughs> retro jersey that has some kind of futuristic element. And that if that is not the most complicated concept I have ever heard of. Like, <laughs> this isn't New York Fashion Week. We can't have that insane of a concept. It has to be simple. It's uh, kind of like if hockey wanted their like own Met Gala, but they didn't even really understand. Um, yeah. but okay so here's what I've noticed because I've, I've kind of been on Twitter sparsely here and there so I saw uh Vegas their jersey which it's kind of funny that they even have a retro they're what three years old um and they posted like a full picture of it but then yeah. today like the stars just posted like like the the tag on the back of a jersey and then like the shoulder and that was it and like something else but not the full jersey i'm like why are we dragging this out for so long and so a lot of teams are doing that where it's just like little bits and pieces and it's so tedious because it's like no one cares this is driving jersey this isn't driving interest in the nhl because most people can't even define reverse retro (laughs) let alone care about it like right I think also with the stars one in particular for me, I'm like, you're dragging this out. We just did this with your alternate like a week ago. And now you're going to drag this one out. Just show me the dang Jersey. I just, just show it to me. Maybe this is their way of like trying to recoup some of the lost revenue from like gate and stuff. It's like, we just released a crap ton of Jersey. (laughs) Maybe that'll drive sales, but they don't realize like by the fourth, fifth Jersey, people just don't care. Yeah, just just show it to me. The other thing about like them starting in February, like I don't know why it just dawned on me. So if they start in February and then if baseball starts like normal, so April, but spring training would start February, I'm going to have both of my favorite sports overlapping again. And I was not prepared to handle that for full season. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. And we'll have to see when they, I think they're going to try to end it earlier though. So they can maybe get back to like a more normal schedule. Yeah. So it might be, you might get the playoffs right in like the dog days of the MLB. And then you might get the MLB playoffs in the NHL offseason. That so, I can handle. 
hopefully we separate it out a little more. Yeah. Um, so with that, any more comments on the reverse retro jerseys? Um, I have another one, but I'm saving it for my rant because I okay. just thought of it. <laughs> Good. So then <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about, if you haven't checked this out, uh, Pierre Lebrun, who writes for The Athletic, there's this awesome story about Bane Pettinger, who used to work for Hockey Canada, and he now works for uh, an uh, agency representing a bunch of NHL players. He doesn't currently have isn't like an agent on his own but he like assists the agents but he has a dream of one day being an agent and is well on his way to that um he came out as gay and it was really I think a good and refreshing thing from the NHL where Mm -hmm. it wasn't forced it wasn't like oh wow we're just doing the bare minimum of like activism or whatever which so yeah. much of their stuff has felt like that it was really genuine like if you saw Tyson Berry's Instagram post about it because Tyson Berry was good friend is good friends with him and all of and Morgan Riley had a post and so many people had great things to say about it and heartfelt great things that allied themselves with him and I thought it was so cool to see and especially because um so Brian Burke who's like was a GM for a lot of NHL teams and is now is a big hockey media person in Canada his son came out as gay and then his son later died in a car accident and so he's the one who started you can play Um, okay and so he is and he's a really like old school hockey man kind of thing and but he's been one of the biggest advocates for LGBT rights and like being more active about that in the NHL and so he of course was a huge help to this Bryce uh Bane Pettinger and um also commented on the story and stuff and I think having those ambassadors I think the NHL has so far to go on like racism and sexism but I think on LGBT issues they're actually really pretty advanced for a lot of leagues now that's not to say hockey in general doesn't have a long way to go because I think there's a reason that a lot of hockey players don't come out and all of that sort of thing but I think the NHL in particular has done a good job of making a really good space in hockey yeah I'd agree with that and finally I just wanted to mention this because so in the NHL draft a few months ago people may remember one of the cool moments was Alex Trebek Uh, announced that the fourth overall pick and he did it like on the Jeopardy set set. it was absolutely amazing and of course the news from this week that Alex Trebek passed away from cancer Um, just personally like this is what got me through quarantine is every day my mom and I would come over or I'd go over to my mom's house and we would watch because where I live Jeopardy airs and then Wheel of Fortune is right next after it Mm -hmm. and so we'd just watch an hour of game shows and it was like yeah our thing and then COVID didn't exist and the world didn't exist and it was just all about that and so it's going to be so weird they say he has episodes recorded up through Christmas he recorded until pretty close to the end of his life oh wow so amazing but just really sad thing and he was so important to hockey he was such a big fan um obviously being Canadian he kind of grew up with it and so the commissioner of the NHL a bunch of NHL teams players all of that sort of thing came out with statements and so I thought that was pretty cool to see hockey yeah. celebrate his life so with that that's about all that happened in the NHL that I could <laughs> come up with I will pass it off to Morgan for the MLB 
Oh, okay, so I should say that I did technically already record some of this because I had planned a quick hitter. Um, I recorded it Wednesday night and then I was overthinking it and Laura is the one that posts our episode. So I sent it to her and then like at 6 a.m. I woke up and I was like, you know what? That was a garbage episode. Don't post it. I hated everything I said. I know I repeated myself too much. So now we're going to do it here and hopefully I do it better and I'm more awake doing it now. Um, so first we'll start with the trash of the MLB, Tony LaRusso. So on Monday, it was reported by ESPN that he was charged for DUI one day before being named the White Sox new manager. And the White Sox knew about it. So like, that's bad enough. Like, but also this is his second DUI. He's ha- he had a DUI back in 2007. But the reason we're just now hearing about it is because he was actually arrested for it in February. He ran into a curb. One article I read made it sound like he like t- completely walked away from his car, like down the street. The other one made it sound like he just got out of his car and just sat down on the curb while his car was smoking. Um, this took place in Arizona. I think that's where he lives and or at the time. But... The reason why we're here, we, well, we're hearing about it more than eight months later, but the reason he wasn't uh, charged with the DUI until eight months later was because they filed it in the wrong jurisdiction. The other thing that makes it even worse, which like a DUI is bad enough. First of all, it's 2020, get an Uber. He clearly has the money for it. Uh, He also refused to do any kind of breathalyzer or anything. And in Arizona, if you refuse, you get taken into jail anyway, where they get a search warrant to collect a blood sample to then test it that way. So he just kind of kept making it worse for himself. I think I read somewhere that if he gets uh, convicted, it's like 10 days in jail, which isn't much, but like you are now a new manager of a team. So why? I have like so many issues. My brain is like just scrambled. Because here's the thing. I think most people would think even, even a second time DUI is redeemable. You can be a manager in the MLB. And no one got that. hurt. Yes. No victims. Like that is totally, it's not some of the other things we've talked about in the past. This is totally like a thing you can redeem yourself from. However, it is actually impossible to redeem yourself in a day. Just actually impossible. And so if the White Sox knew about it, there's no way they should have signed the contract that day. They should have actually given him the time to redeem himself. Like, it just, I can't reason that out in my mind. Right, because, like, they find out he's been charged with the DUI. And then the next day, instead of being like, okay, let's take a step back. Let's try and, like, figure out we still want him to be our manager. We don't have to announce it right away. Let's just figure some things out first. Instead, they're like, no, let's still announce he's our new manager tomorrow. And he, he was announced uh, October 29th. Like, the the postseason wasn't over. Well, yeah, it had just ended, right? What day is it? It's November, whatever. It, it either just ended or it's about to end, whatever. But it's not like it's not like the new season started tomorrow and they desperately needed a new manager on their team, like, that's what also like bothers me about the White Sox in this situation is like, why were you in such a hurry to hire him? A, he's not the 
only manager available. Like they had plenty of opportunities. It's like, why didn't you just take your time with this? Like you could have waited until January to hire someone. And okay, something that's totally feasible to do in like contract law is you could write a contract that says, listen, here are all the stipulations, like this kind of like meetings and counseling and this, this and this. And if you successfully complete all of this, then you will have another contract that we guarantee you, you can sign to be our manager. But if you don't, so it's basically like a contract agreeing to a contract, but it's not actually his contract. That would have looked so much better. But also, this is just like, like MLB taking a page out of hockey's book. And it's like the 200 hockey men, like the white hockey guys who have to control everything. Tony LaRussa, we really like, it has to be Tony LaRussa. We cannot function if Tony LaRussa is our manager. And the thing is, like, not only was he not the only, like, person they could have gotten as a manager, like, he hasn't ma- been a manager for a team in 10 years. So, first of all, that also that already makes him out of the loop. He might as well be Rick Bonus of baseball at this point. Um, actually, that's an insult to Rick Bonus for the for what I'm about to say. But um, in that particular instance, might as well be Rick Bonus. Totally out of touch. Um, and you can read, there's, Ken Rosenthal did a really good article about him on The Athletic recently. I think it was this week. And he made mention that, like, Tony La Russa has said some pretty racially toned. I haven't read all of them, and I don't – Tony La Russa is not someone whose career I followed or quotes I read, but he he has some racist undertones in what he says. And – uh, that team is a very young team and a very, I mean, most of MLB teams are very diverse at this point, but m- specifically I'm thinking of uh, Tim Anderson, who is a young black player who has already been criticized from MLB Network and other broadcasts for flipping a bat in April because that was apparently a bad thing to do, like apparently because it didn't mean much and you don't get to bat flip in the middle of the game. And Tony LaRusso has been outspoken of not really caring about the whole let the kids play movement. So I don't like what part of him was the White Sox like, you know what? He's the best for our young team. And the thing too, the role, I feel like perhaps no more so than like a coach in any other league, the role of a manager in the MLB has drastically transformed with the advent of analytics. Like they're pretty much make the analytics nerds make pretty much all of the decisions. And that doesn't seem like it really, like you need a manager who's with that. And also it does seem like some of the younger or even like your Joe Madden types who are maybe a little more like open-minded, like he, I wouldn't say Joe Madden's young, but he's just not, you don't think of him as like the old stone age white guy. Whereas Tony LaRusso I think is more that. And so I don't really think, you don't need to worry about like managerial experience and all that. Like, yeah. Will you listen to our numbers, people? Can you, do you have like a good communication style so you won't embarrass us in front of the media? Okay, good. Like that's, that's to me, it seems like the two most important things. Yeah. And I don't think he has either of those things. But he, they had to hire him a day after he got a DUI. That, it, it, like, it still blows my mind. Like you, it wasn't like, oh, the 29th of October, that's the last day MLB is allowed to hire any new manager. So I guess we got to go with this guy. Like, it, 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 
Nothing. I had to know it was going to come out that he got charged with a DUI and the day he got charged. Like, you can't, if you're a PR person and you can't see, put those pieces together, you're kind of stupid. Right? And even if, like, the day before they fa- then they found out he was charged, like, shouldn't they have also already known about the arrest that happened, like, in February? Like, that feels like kind of a question you ask during your interview or something, or it comes up, like, like, because if you're doing all your research on this guy, even though you know the name Tony LaRusso, like, you still should do your research, you would think maybe arrest records might be something you look into. Um, next, we're going on to more garbage people. Um, and garbage teams. So first, I guess we'll talk about the Dodgers, get that out of the way. Uh, no one was punished in their very short investigation of uh, Turner's positive COVID uh, result that then he went back out on the field and then, you know, decided let's celebrate without a mask and we'll just see all these people who probably haven't been exposed to it from me. So uh, with that, no one, he wasn't uh, punished. None of the staff who was like, yeah, sure, you can go on the field was punished. Uh, five more people, I believe, um, in addition to him, I don't think those five people include him uh, in the Dodgers organization have tested positive since then. And I believe one family member, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, but, you know, no punishment. And I said this in the quick hitter that, it's unreleased, but I'll say it here too. So yeah, the Astros cheated and they didn't get punished enough, but they still technically got a punishment. And that is nowhere near the level of uh, risk that Turner gambled with, like like literal lives, because no one knows how COVID is going to affect a single person. Well, in his own freaking team. So he no doubt infected it because all of these positive tests that are coming out, there's no doubt he, he has to be the source of like at least one of those. Yeah, because there was, I did read, I think it was a couple weeks ago now um, or not long after that a family member from Tampa had, I think it was a wife had tested positive, but she immediately like quarantined and I think she even like flew back home or something because she was near she lived near the area so it's like she could so he like intentionally like basically kind of shot a weapon into a crowd sort of thing and there was there was clear intent behind it now obviously that I don't think that was his primary intent I think his primary intent was to celebrate the world series but there was intent because he knew the consequence yeah Joe Kelly, we still not have we still have not established that there was intent to hit the player. I I don't know that. Like it's not abundantly clear, but that's six games for not hitting someone and not having like pretty like there was no really compelling evidence that he like he made intent- a face at them though, Laura. <laughs> you're just sitting there and you're like, okay, so that's six games. And like I said, literally firing a weapon nothing yeah because keep in mind like Kenley Jansen has a heart condition he's already had COVID once and their manager also is a cancer survivor like those are two high-risk people right there I don't I obviously he can't say this in the public but if I'm Joe Kelly I'm a little pissed right it's like this isn't fair 
Like, and even if all their punishment wanted to be was like suspend him for three games, yeah, it's the beginning of the season that doesn't really matter much, but at least it's something. You could suspend him for the same Joe Kelly punishment and it would not be near as bad. Six games because it would be a longer season, so six games would matter less and it would be the first six games, so who the hell cares? Yeah, and they're the World Ser- rating World Series champ, so. Uh, more garbage teams and people. Jeff Lanau, who is the ex-GM of the Astros, is suing the Astros. So in a 17-page lawsuit, which I don't know how long lawsuits usually are, so that could be short, but in my mind, 17 pages is a lot to read. And I believe you can actually go and read through all of them if you want to, but I read through the MLB protocol, so I've done enough reading for MLB this year. So he alleges that the Astros breached his contract when he was fired and claims that Rob Manfred and Jim Crane, who is the Astros owner, struck a deal to arrange for Lonell to take the blame. So he was owed $22 million on his salary uh, left from his contract. I believe he got a new contract after they won the World Series in 2017. And so he's basically saying like, they decided to fire me even though I knew nothing about this so that they could save the $22 and I should be owed that because it's guaranteed salary. Can or at I, least I think it's guaranteed still yeah. for the GMs. So I, I do, I want to make like a comparison because actually I was talking to my dad about this. It's interesting uh-huh. you should bring it up. So when the Calgary Flames situation happened with Bill Peters being racist and abusive and just all mm-hmm. around a terrible person. So they pull him out from coaching while they do their investigation and then it takes forever and everyone's like what the heck's going on it's taking forever then you hear from sources like yeah he's gone no duh and then it's still taking forever we're not hearing anything we're not hearing anything and what came out was that calgary was the behind the scenes negotiating with bill peters saying listen if you really make it difficult we will go in and we will fight it on your like good behavior clause but if you come to the table we will mutually agree to a severance of less than what you're owed and then everyone can part ways and that's what happened he technically resigned and Mm -hmm. no doubt he got some kind of payout but not the full amount of his salary well fast forward wichita state men's basketball which my dad knows a lot about because they used to be creighton's like arch nemesis um Their coach has been accused of a lot of really bad things. Abusive, some of it's racial. It's just really bad. You can read the story if you want to. Well, it comes out earlier last last week that he's getting fired. And it comes out like Tuesday or Wednesday. And it's like, it could be as early, like it could be Friday. And we're just like waiting. We're not hearing anything. We're not hearing anything. So I told my dad the other night, I'm like, this is totally what happened in Calgary. They're behind the scenes and they're negotiating some kind of something so that he can leave on his own, still get some money, but not the full money. So all of that to say, the Astros could have done that here. Yeah. It would have been a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. And so it's likely that this just goes to arbitration and avoids being uh, looked at in court, which I kind of want it to go to court just because we would get more information about the cheating scandal. However, that would be why the Astros would avoid that and do it an arbitration settled. yeah uh at, and at first I was kind of like why is he doing this lawsuit now like this was happening in what January February of this year why do the lawsuit now and not like right after you got fired but I'm thinking he maybe thought um because him and uh 
AJ Hinch were the two that were suspended for a season. And then right after that punishment was handed down from MLB, the Astros fired both of them. So I'm wondering if maybe he thought, okay, well, AJ Hinch isn't going to get a job either. So, and then once AJ Hinch was hired by the Tigers, he was like, oh, well, if he gets to come back in baseball, I'm going to file my lawsuit because he's more likely never going to be back in baseball. So, but I still don't really see him winning like much from this. The, the it, thing is, is because of the time and like you said, the stuff that would come out, he you're, he's suing for a settlement. Yeah. Which that kind of my point, you could avoid paying your lawyers. You could have avoided all of this if you'd have just come to some agreement back when you fired him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then speaking of other cheaters, Alex Cora was surprise hired by the Red Sox to be their manager. Like I swear we've been saying for the last four weeks and you know, it was announced in the best way ever on a Friday when the election was still being contested. They literally just dropped it right before what Pennsylvania was called. I think it was literally like two minutes after they called Pennsylvania. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, oh, y'all were really trying to bury this, even though we all knew it was going to happen. I think everyone knew the Red Sox were going to bring him back. But then that they try and dump it. They totally had it in the draft. And they're like, we're ma- waiting for a major election update. And when it happens, yeah. we're just going to hit tweet. Yep, that exactly. And someone made a joke because uh, the b- last presidential elections have happened. Um, they have done the MLB Gold Glove Awards on the same night. I know this specifically because in 2016, Beltre won a Gold Glove Ian Kinsler won a gold glove and Mitch Moreland won his first gold glove. And that is all tainted in my brain now because it happened in 2016 election. So my fear was, oh God, we're going to have another gold glove award season on election night. And thank God it went differently because Joey Gallo finally won his and uh, Isaiah kiner Falefa won his and I'm just so proud of them. But then I saw a tweet and someone was like, oh, someone saw that they, they did the gold glove announcements on election night. So they did thought they could slide under the radar too. And it's like, just, and I, even though we all knew it coming, them doing it then just makes it seem shady. Like, obviously we knew we were going to have like a new manager press conference, like they always do and announcements and blah, blah, blah. But still doing that almost makes it look like, okay, if we do it now, no one will notice we're bringing back someone who got fired for being cheaters like the best PR is one that only a select few people will be like oh that's PR yeah this is something everyone would be like okay like people were were ripping on it as soon as it happened like yeah like I said people saying oh you had it in the drafts and just waiting to publish it right after some big election something happened right everyone saw it for what it was insane uh, before my last piece of MLB news, you had an MLB. I wanted to talk about this because it's hilarious. Yes. So Steve Cohen, all of the the billionaire Wall Street guy, all of the hoops and everything have been met. And so he is now officially the owner of the Mets. And to coincide with that, this guy who like, it's hard to find pictures of him. Like, <laughs> We just know his middle initial. We don't even know his middle name. It's hard to find videos of him talking. Like, very, very secretive. So, of course, he joins Twitter. And not <laughs> only does he join Twitter, but he's, like, mixing it up with the fans. And there is this gal who 
during this whole saga of because he's been like he had an agreement to buy it and then it fell through and then all, through all of this she's had a few scoops mm-hmm. and then it came out like after a third or fourth scoop that she was one of the people who thought Jeffrey and Epstein was innocent and I, I, I she might be the only person I don't know yeah <laughs> so she she kind of got like people don't like her anymore for obvious reasons and so someone had t- tweeted like in response to something like oh she, like I don't know why people care about her so much she probably knows like 10% of what's going on and then Steve Cohen his Twitter account which was confirmed only because the Mets tweeted it like hey this is his Twitter account he replies um if that and it's just <laughs> awesome so he is this guy who didn't talk is now like spicing it up on Twitter um his wife's on Twitter and they have this foundation and I thought this is cool this is cool idea so they've gotten a lot of like Mets people to tweet about it you can get a free bag because they're billionaires so they can afford it and so basically what you do is you like fill the bag with like food or stuff like that and it's basically like a pay it forward bag so then you can do what you want with it to like help someone else so I thought that was kind of a cool idea something to think about it's free like I said so if you're a Mets fan or if that just seems like something you'd want to do I mean she can check it out I think her name is like Alex Cohen but pretty cool uh and our final piece of MLB news an exciting piece so we saved it for last there is finally a female GM and her name is Kim Ang I hope I'm saying that right uh because her last name is NG, which I saw that and was like, oh God, how do you say that? Because it's just two, it's just two letters. Uh, and that's how they pronounce it on MLB Network. So I'm hoping they were right. Um, she has a really cool history in baseball. She's practically been a part of baseball for 30 years now. Um, first of all, I should say she's the GM for the Marlins. She's the first female GM in all four of the major North American sports. And she's the first Asian American GM in MLB, which is pretty cool. Uh, So she started her MLB career as an intern with the Chicago White Sox. And then from there, after she graduated, she started working as the assistant director for baseball operations for the White Sox from 1990 to 96. And then in 95, she became the youngest, the youngest person and the first woman to present a salary arbitration case in the major leagues uh, for the White Sox. Then she worked in the offices of the American League in 97, where she was the director of waivers and records approving all transactions, which Sounds like a pretty interesting job. Like, I feel like it could be tedious, but also just kind of a fascinating area to work in. Um, And then she was the assistant general manager for the Yankees from 98 to 01. And then the assistant general manager for the Dodgers from 02 to 2011. Uh, In 2011, she became the uh, senior VP of baseball operations for MLB, working under Joe Torre. I thought it was interesting. I got all this information off wikipedia but i found it interesting that she interviewed for gm for the dodgers in 05 and since then she's also interviewed um for gm positions with the mariners padres angels and giants and then obviously the marlins were the ones who finally hire her for it and she just seems pretty cool there's this one picture that they've posted in all the articles and she's just chilling in a really cute outfit in the outfield with a baseball glove like i it looks like one of those pictures you see during BP where they have 
um, just players out there to catch balls, but she looks pretty like, don't mess with her. I can like school you in baseball kind of attitude and like hiring her and then having those new uniforms that they got a couple years ago with a nice, like really vibrant, pretty colors. Like I might become a Marlins fan. Maybe. We'll give it a couple years. Let them get better. <laughs> Cause they're terrible. <laughs> um. well, Maybe if they got rid of Mattingly, who just won the NL Manager of the Year, I don't know how, but uh, there's the, that. The thing I will say, the waivers and records thing, I think is a really compelling part of our history. Because mm-hmm. so in the NHL, we've had sites that like used to be Cap Geek and yeah. different things like that, where it's like they go into all of this detail about the cap and how teams are staying compliant and they know all the rules and they always get scooped up by teams because teams need someone who really understands the cap because it's so convoluted to then help them find the best way around it. And so if you have to approve all transactions, you have to know all of the rules like inside and out. And so even though that was a long time ago, having that knowledge of the rules is really a benefit because then you can say, well, I've always thought it would be a good idea to blank. Mm-hmm. And, like you have a lot of interesting insights into how to get around the rules and what the rules are it, it saves you from making bad decisions that you just get rejected it's it's really I think it, that's a really good thing to have in your yeah record. for sure and she's like also the fact that she's been an assistant GM for years and years and different teams but also even different leagues which I guess if um the National League goes to Universal DH as well that won't really matter too much but the fact that she knows a lot of the ins and outs of all different departments in baseball is just really cool um so with that is there anything else we want to talk about um I think that's it so it's time for rant and rave um do you want me to go first or do you want to go yes you can go first so I just came uh it's, we're recording this on Saturday I just came from watching the um Notre Dame game and it reminded me of something that really bothers me and I've probably talked about this on here before but I'm just going to talk about it again um it's coaches and their terrible mask wearing so we've got the ones who sit in the press box to like watch and then occasionally a camera comes on them and always their mask is never up and then they clearly have someone in their ear being like you're on camera now because then they miraculously always pull it up about 10 seconds in like this is stupid yeah you're not fooling anyone and then my favorite is brian kelly coach of the of notre dame like has his like mask on and then he just pulls it down and just starts screaming <laughs> and it's the i don't pull your mask down to yell. That's the whole point. Like if you're going to, if I, if you say, okay, I only wear the mask for one volume. What do you pick? The highest volume is the most important because yeah. you're, you're, you, it like goes farther that you can spread it farther. So like, maybe don't pull it down in like the most critical time. Yeah, exactly. And he's not the only one. It's I just came to me because I saw him doing it, but like a lot of them do it and someone needs to tell them and like educate them on the science of why you wear masks because if you're just like whispering to the guy next to you and like this 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 and this your chances of spreading even not wearing a mask are way less than if you're not wearing a mask and just shouting and screaming yeah yeah um so I remembered my rant when you did the reverse retro jerseys 
Uh, because everyone has, I, from what I've seen, they're using the same caption details from the past remix for the future. Um, I have an issue with the Minnesota Wild using Minnesota North Star colors because that is not their franchise. Yeah. And um, there's like this big Stars fandom. We kind of always pick on Minnesota because Minnesota doesn't really understand that the North Stars are not their team. Um, And so in the comments, you see a lot of like back and forth because like someone said the North Stars are Minnesota, the Stars are Dallas. Like that's not how franchises work at all. Just because they were the Minnesota North Stars does not mean they belong to the Minnesota Wild. Um, And I, I had quote tweeted this with a gif on on my twitter but i just like because again they picked three pictures where all you see is like the nhl logo that's on the front the adidas logo and then like the sleeve so all you see is the colors you can't see like the full jersey which is stupid but the colors are the minnesota north stars which are the stars team yeah and so there's no way it's the logo though because we've been through this before because arizona is the franchise that came from the first iteration of the Winnipeg Jets. And so all of the like retro Winnipeg Jets stuff, the actual Winnipeg Jets now can't do is Minnesota or not Minnesota, Arizona owns the copyright, but it it is. So I I guarantee you it's not the like end with the star. Sure. It's not. It's just the fact that they use those colors because the green specifically, I'm like, Oh, that's the uh, winter classic green they used. And then seeing it with the yellow, I'm like, that's not your colors, though. Maybe I'm just being a star's homer and I'm no, mad about it. I, no, the colors and it's like, OK, so well, and you can see in the back in the like fuzzy background that uh-huh. it's clearly like like a, a word spelled out like Minnesota. Yeah. And it's like, OK, so you wanted to do the North Stars, but you can't actually do the logo. Right. So you just wanted to get like as close as possible. And it's just. It's kind of like, but this is also why the reverse retro is a bad idea. Because, yeah. like, what the heck was Vegas ever going to do? Right. Like, what's Florida going to do? Like, you start running through all these franchises, and you're like, what are they even going to do? And even the teams that have stuff to do, like Pittsburgh has stuff, I really don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish the Stars would have done Minnesota North Stars versions just to make Minnesota fans mad. But now I'm the one that's mad. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's obnoxious. So rave. <laughs> okay, so this has nothing to do with sports, but it's, it's been life-changing this week, so I'm just going to talk about it. Um, I have had, and it's like a thing I've had for a long time, is sleeping issues. And I, so I started, someone recommended to me like sleep meditations, and they are the mm-hmm. most amazing thing ever. And then I just started like regular meditations and listen I'm the first person who's like that sounds really new agey that's not my thing really not into it and it took me a while to like get over that part of myself it's Uh really cool because all it is is like focusing your mind Mm -hmm. to like like ignore the rest of your surroundings and to like put yourself like force your mind to put yourself in a state that you want to be in so like the one that really resonated the most with me and I've actually done since then is you lay down and it's it's normally when you want to go to bed and you Mm -hmm. start at like your toes and so then you like consciously feel them and then you consciously tell them okay like you're done like shut it down 
basically. And you work your way through your whole body, like bit by bit doing that. And you can actually like feel it, feel and feel yourself doing that. And it's, it's a really cool thing to see like how much control your mind has over things Mm -hmm. and how, when you're so, when you can create time where you're so focused on something and you can't get that time very often. It is like bedtime or like if you carve out five minutes in the day or something, but it is really so cool. So I did for the first time today, even like not a sleep one, but just like a normal one. Uh And it was weird because I had this like, couple minutes where like I literally was thinking nothing and it was like being asleep while being awake and it was the coolest thing I've ever experienced so all of this to say take it from someone who's like this is all new agey and weird and that's not my thing and I don't like it and I'm not like not a yoga person not any of that stuff this is amazing even if you aren't into that stuff you really should try it because it's awesome and there are a lot of great ones on um podcast on iTunes um one I found has British accents and it helps (laughs) (laughs) so anyways that is my PSA and recommendation for meditation I was gonna say when you were talking about the meditation and like focusing on different parts of your body it reminded me of the few yoga classes I've taken where at the end that's what you do and it it's surprisingly relaxing like I didn't expect like the focus to help I think, yeah, and I think that's the part of yoga that would, like, appeal to me. I mm-hmm. lose yoga so much in that, like, I get upset when I can't do things. Yeah. Like, 95% of yoga I can't do. <laughs> yeah. Like, nope, not for me. I, I w- when I took those classes, it was, like, when I was also in dance, so I felt really good about, like, my balance and everything, and now I'm, like, 10 years removed from doing dance, and every time I try to do yoga, it's like, oh, man, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> That's the other great thing about meditation. It requires like zero physical ability. <laughs> um, my rave is also not related to sports whatsoever. Uh, this was going to be my rave last week, which probably would have made more sense like have if we recorded like Saturday or Sunday, but I'm still doing it this week because I was just so excited. Um, so now that the election admittedly went the way I wanted it to go, <laughs> And hopefully a lot of other people wanted it to go who listened to this because by now I feel like if you didn't want Joe Biden to win, you're probably not listening to our podcast anyway because of the rants we've gone on. Um, But the first thing I thought of was like, oh my gosh, I can start watching West Wing again because I started watching West Wing in 2016 before the election. Well, then the election happened and I had to take a four-year hiatus from West Wing because it just made me sad because there's a great president on West Wing and not so much in real life. So I literally started thinking, oh my gosh, I can st- I can start West Wing all over again and I have that great series to watch. And then I had also stopped watching uh, Man in the High Castle which I think I only there's two seasons left of that that I didn't watch but if you don't know what that's about that's about if uh the Nazis won World War II so didn't really feel like watching that after 2016 uh but now I feel like more uh hopeful for the future so I'm like I can watch some dark dramas and not be like oh my god this is our future or watch like a happy West Wing episode and not be like god I wish this we had someone in the office like this it's now like I can enjoy things again which is so stupid but I was just really I was like wow I can start watching West Wing again so along that note I did want to point out so I I, I'm pretty political on here because 
we don't care on this show. I don't really do that on Twitter, mostly for my own mental health, because I don't feel like engaging in that on Twitter, because there are a lot of idiots on Twitter. Yeah. But I did, I posted this thing after the election, and I I really and truly wasn't political, because, and and I'm just, I just want to read it, because I thought, like, it's a message that I I feel strongly about. So it's it's a Twitter thread, it's quite long. I'm not one to post about politics, but I just have to acknowledge what a day this is for women and for our country. To have so many women in such prominent positions in all three branches of government is not only an achievement for feminism, but really good for our country. This isn't the end of the fight for diversity and inclusion in government, but it's pretty amazing to see how far we've come, even from the time I was a kid 20 years ago to now. Whatever your party, you will no doubt have disagreements with some of the diverse voices in government as there were people elected from across the political spectrum. But I hope we can all celebrate that those diverse voices are there. Today, it's official that we have our first woman and first black vice president. And that's just the most prominent example. It's important to acknowledge that our our representative democracy is more representative of the diversity of its constituents than ever before. So have your political differences with uh, with diverse members of government. Like I said, whatever side of the aisle you were on, you will disagree with some of them, but don't forget the big picture. And I think that's really super important because mm-hmm. I think if you really dr- truly care about diversity in government, you have to want to and celebrate when the other party gets diverse members because mm-hmm. there are some districts that no matter what we do are always going red. That's yeah. just, and that's always going, especially con- at the congressional level, that's always going to be true. So if instead of an old white man, we get a woman or a person of color or something like that, that is, cel- is worth celebrating because then all across the spectrum, there are diverse voices. And you don't just want diverse voices in Congress when the parties themselves are meeting and trying to hash things out. You don't want it to just be a a bunch of angry old white men. Yeah. Like, even if you don't agree with that party, like the party would probably be better and come to the table better and just do things better if there are different voices on there. Right. I truly believe a big change, a big sea change in the Republicans now, we're now, even most Republicans will say Black Lives Matter and they might not do a lot of the stuff. And certainly the president is off on his own whatever but I truly believe that a big change in that was they have a black senator from South Carolina and he went on like Fox News and talked about all the times that he's pulled over in Washington DC and treated like a criminal because he's black and he's like you like you just can't basically defending all like he's like this is what they're fighting for yeah and that and it happens it happened to a senator like it's happening yeah. to everyone. It happens. And, and I think that that's important. And that doesn't happen if a white guy is elected. So I think it was, it was great to see not only like Kamala and all of the women on the Democrat side, but even on the Republican side where maybe I wouldn't have endorsed them to win. Right. To just see them, see them versus some of the other people it very likely could be is a yeah. better thing for our country. Yeah. Very so, well said. That's I, I just felt strongly about that because I think sometimes you can get so caught up in the partisan nature mm-hmm. of everything that you kind of lose sight of some of these bigger principles. Cause I don't I truly don't believe diversity and inclusion are part of, is a partisan thing. Right. It should just be a thing like that we all need to fight for and a human rights thing. 
Exactly. So that was a good way to end it, though, because I think it's more of a celebratory and like content and happy mood. Yes. So with that, we will see you all next week where maybe we'll have stuff to talk about, but it's off season, so maybe we won't. And we might do something fun. (laughs) Kind of hoping for the something fun. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'll talk to you all later. Bye, guys.